an interesting idea about why people <clears throat> join up with a teacher and sometimes with a therapist, same reason. Definitely with a cult, a cult, not the occult. And <clears throat> one thing we want to say about joining cults is that people don't join cults. They join an organization that has a great story about what they're doing that will allow you to do something amazing. And some cults start off benign, perhaps, and turn bad, in part because power corrupts, <clears throat> and as an organization grows, leadership can get corrupt and then turn cultish. And I'm sure there's also a few <laughs> just people who want to start cults right from the beginning. <clears throat> the idea that you join up with somebody who shows you the best version of yourself and after a while if they're not healthy or trained or self-aware you might get hooked on that person on that organization thinking that you're only your best self with that person or that organization or those tools, whether it's meditation or yoga or darshan, chanting, etc. And that's the beginning of the end. <laughs> I was talking to a therapist recently and I loved what she said. She said, right from the beginning, we talk about ending that we talk about, this is not forever. Although I do know people have been with the same therapist for years and years and years. But therapy is a little bit different because it's not an organization. There's not tech, there's not hundreds of members to join up with. It's one person. And if you do stay with a therapist for decades, which some people do, at least old school, There's no cult to join. There's, there's nothing to do. And one of the reasons I love my teacher is there's still no organization after eight years. So there's nothing to join. There might be some imagined inner circle. you your best version of yourself to the point that you get kind of hooked. 
What will happen is usually a fight or a falling out because once you put someone on a pedestal, I guarantee you at some point you're going to take an axe to it to bring them down. If you're with someone who's trained, they're not going to let themselves get up on a pedestal and they will make sure to keep boundaries. And through their behavior and energy and reactions, will navigate this potential pit of quicksand. If you've been raised badly, you may have never had someone who modeled for you love and admiration and respect being around an adult who is supportive and complimentary and esteem boosting and um, mocked up, not in a bad way, but models, you may better way to say, models of loving, complimentary, supportive relationships with two adults. There is nothing wrong with that. And it's a little bit easier in therapy because it's really clear therapists verify things and people know that. Whereas if you're in a yoga group or you're in an ashram, you're in some kind of spiritual religious organization, those lines of demarcation are not so clear. In other words, you're going to try to make the philosophy of the organization make sense and work for you. Whereas with a therapist, they're going to make sure you find your own definitions and your own reactions and they will help you grow up. In other words, there might be child parent type on in the beginning, but the well-trained parent will grow you up. Help you become mature. But that is self Therapy is better than a 
visualization, by the way. I'm just pointing out that therapists have trainings in education and peer ethical guidelines that are part of licensing. And they can be recorded. have something to offer, you think they're amazing, you want to be able to do what they do, you think they have answers, they're brilliant, they're sexy, they're successful, they're mystical, whatever version gets to you. First thing I would say is, red alert, <laughs> meaning understand that you're at risk for being hooked on that person in an unhealthy fashion. When we're balanced, or let's say, have some skill at balancing, not balanced all the time, but have some skill at it. One of the things we know to look for is the second there's an instant reaction, like, 
amazing person, amazing meditation. What a great reading. Oh my God, the energy, red flag. <laughs> Not about the person, but about yourself. Because if you're that in awe, that's how hungry you are. That's how much you are missing something in your life that you just found in another person. When we're pretty whole, that doesn't happen anymore. It's like when you're in the desert and you find an oasis. It's, you know, as if God appeared to you. But if you're in a rainforest and you hit a body of water, it's like, nice, water, more water, big pool, pretty, that's it. So to me, that instant spark that the new age very often will term as twin flame, twin soul, instant karmic connection, soulmate, meant to be, for me, sounds like a fire truck. Sirens going off and ding, 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 ding. Now that doesn't mean I run away. It means that there is something in me that is so needy. And this person represents the answer. And yet I know every answer is inside of me and is between me and spirit. And interactions with humans and love with humans or animals even, is secondary. In other words, when I'm my best self, I have my best relationships with other people, organizations, family, friends, and animals. But when I have that hormonal, adrenal, serotonin, endorphin reaction, the universe is now providing me with a teacher that's showing me how much I hate myself, and that's why I love this person who makes me feel amazing, how much I betray myself, and that's why I just can't get enough of the attention of this person, person looking at me and listening to me and talking to me and interacting with me, they're always there for me, but as soon as you're like that for yourself, you don't need another human to do that. You might have someone that does that a lot for you, who also does it a lot for themselves, and you share that. But it's not hungry. I know this is greediness, by the way, even though the nicer version is to say that we're needy. But because we're in an era of intending and manifesting, you want, say what you want, write out what you want, make a vision board, and you will get it. Yes, you will. The universe will say, wow, you think your life is going to be better with these things? Great. We're going to give it to you in the form of a human being, or a job, or resources like money, or a car, or things to live, and watch what happens. Wow. It's going to be a rough ride, because it's going to be a learning experience because nothing on the external is the ultimate answer. If you make a vision board, if you're intending, if you plan to manifest, and I think most of you who know me understand that. I'm of the Eastern tradition, which is we 
everything we wanted to have What's the high road on all of our experiences and all of our choices that we created for ourselves before we People do this intending and manifesting. Very often, of course, the universe will grant these things as a way to further hook you into a bigger lesson. In fact, the pattern I've noticed is that the first two years of spirituality are magical. It's like the honeymoon period of a relationship where spirit says, Yes, it works, and meditation makes you feel your chakras are spinning and your sex is better and you know, these moments of bliss and this gets you hooked on some kind of spiritual practice and when I say the first two years of the honeymoon I don't mean with a person this is the energy which is source and whether it comes through yoga or chanting or meditation you name it first two years I always see people opening up, crying, healing, expanding, growing, synchronicities, amazing, like a great marriage. It starts off that way. And John Gray used to talk about that the first year of the relationship, you want to have a lot of good times. And the reason for that is so that when you hit the rough times, which you will, you have a history, a memory bank of great times together. So instead of bailing out of the relationship, you have at least two years of memories that say, this is a great relationship. I don't want to give it up right now just because we're having a bump in the road. And that's why you bank those great times and memories. And you're getting into a long-term relationship. You do that on purpose. You dig, you have courtship, you plan to make things as good as possible. Not to fake it, not to just put your best story and try to grab signs or left sides, but to build a basement, a foundation, a dock of trust and faith and pleasure and love.
the universe shows you the truth and credit in your personality, your development, your energy field, etc. No, don't chase them. Cute, huh? <laughs> Good girl. Okay, don't chase anybody. Good girl. not this So, let's say you hook up with a spiritual teacher, and I don't mean touch this, but you connect with a spiritual teacher, and you understand there's that endorphin rush. I do not run away from that. I just put on my infrared goggles, I guess, <laughs> and I look at what I'm learning. I used to say this when I did psychic reading online, you know, those column ones. I've done that on and off for years. It's grueling because everybody who calls in is an addict. Every single one of them. They're not in spiritual growth. They're in answers. And I don't mind that at all when you're in a really dark space. You know, my house and job. I get it. I get it. But the majority going after one external self to another. And typically, when I hear someone ask about a relationship, and I'll say, they're not the one, but they are the one you need right now in order to change enough and be different enough and evolve enough to meet someone. And the answer you should get is, well, they're not the one. I'm not going to put them. And they dump them. And you get another one that's just like the one they dump, but in a slightly different body. And this can go on for a couple of years. In other words, getting these readings and then constantly dumping, you know, this is not the one, this is not the one. Or psychics who want to make money will say, this is the one. And they'll glean that money because that person will call back for the next six months or a year until they find out the person's an alcoholic or cheater or whatever. Then they hate the psychic and they never call that psychic again. They find another one. So they either do that and the psychic makes a shit ton of money and 
Yes, I've been through so many, but you're the one. Now, see, if I can have my wits about me, I'm getting love bombed by that statement, and I could get seduced by someone like that, and, oh, this person adores me, and I'm going to help them so much. No. For me, it's a kind of toxic statement, because this person is doing way too much. you don't want to be them. <laughs> you don't like that they eat tofu. You like to play video games. You don't like uh, going to a restaurant. You like watching more jumps. So individuation is now, who am I? Who am I in this path? What does my practice look like? How do I start defining myself? And Defining myself it means that I don't have to define myself by destroying other people or loving other people. But instead, I find a way to walk with them and be different. And in some ways, maybe have some similarities. And both are okay. 
and neither one has meaning. In other words, oh, I'm just like my teacher, means nothing. Doesn't mean they're better, smarter, more spiritual, more sensitive, more psychic, nothing. And being different doesn't mean you're a loser, you're a failure, you're undisciplined, you have no power, you'll never be a psychic, you'll never be a healer, etc. Neither one means anything. It's just true. Like Chinese food and Chinese food are different. And some similarities, you're both Asian. Other than that, not much else in common. That is individuation, where you can start to walk beside someone. And this takes usually a couple of years to get through this. And if you are with someone who is not well trained, who is needy themselves, or gets triggered by your starting to differentiate or individuate, this could trigger stuff in them like, I'm not loved anymore, they don't like me anymore, they're criticizing me, I feel threatened because they're being different than me. And you'll see this in the functional parents too, by the way. When their kids start to grow up, unhealed parents start to get triggered. And now we repeat the cycle of dysfunction because the parents are not aware, not been educated, and not work on themselves, they're not healed. And in the field of psychology and spirituality, we find a lot of dysfunction. Wounded people are drawn to these people. Hello. Hi. through rehab want to get a degree in psychology. And they do, or they get a certificate. No, or she, good girl. But here's the thing. They don't do the extensive healing work. They have gotten on their addiction. They have gotten their life. And what they have learned is the tip of the iceberg. It's kind of like they got a life raft and they reached shore. They think they're sailors, but it's no, you haven't even been on the boat. You know how to get people on a life raft and get them ashore, and that's a good thing. In that case, be a sponsor and a 12 step program, share your experience and stay in that psychological field, keep reading, keep learning, etc. There's a lot of people who are sad and lonely and low self esteem, pastors of church. I remember when I was very active in the peace and social justice period of about four years, I was not around any white folks. I was an American Indian and African American. 
Romantic, like the proletarian, the Native Americans will make a comeback from, from what? From alcoholism, horrible incestual sexual abuse, I mean, grueling poverty, genocide, racism. They're going to make a comeback and be whole? No. So she said to me, remember, the people you're fighting for and fighting with. Hoshi! Hoshi! Come! Come on! Hoshi! Hoshi! Come on! Come, come! Good girl. Just remember, these folks are damaged by oppression, racism, poverty, police brutality, etc. They're not healthy people. So be red flag. What we try to do is, because we want it so bad, we're so greedy to make it work, that what we do is make up stories to justify what isn't working, and to suppress our own feelings, and try to force ourselves to feel another way, so that the thing we're doing is what we want it to be. And we will see this, by the way, in relationships as well. Love relationships. Good girl. 
red flag that we are entering what my sister and I No. Let's say 
you do art, you do art, you do art. But what you find out is, without doing art, your brain explodes, your emotion explodes. But if you are, we call it sublimating. In other words, you're taking some feeling and putting it into something else rather than getting with the feeling. And this is hard to catch because usually with sublimation, you're doing something wonderful, like helping other people, helping animals, being a workout freak, being an artist. So how do we know that it's a true passion versus sublimation? Great question. Okay, another statue. <laughs> okay, okay. Good girl. In many cases, you won't know. And people around you definitely will not help you with this. They'll just go, you're so amazing, you're an artist. She or he is so amazing, they just help everybody else and they're in the homeless committee and um, they're with the housing authority and the city council and helping to do this or that. And they can't see, they're not trained, they're not looking for this, and they're not your therapist. So what they see is, you know, you're doing this great, great stuff and everybody benefits from it. So no one is going to question this or stop you from doing it except a great therapist or perhaps a spiritual teacher. Oh, did you find a little dog? A little Yogi! sublimation sometimes you don't wake up from this decade it's hard what you can do is if you are passionate about something I'm sorry something and you think maybe it's sublimation if you cannot go to a therapist or if you're not willing to go to a What you can do is start journaling and noticing how do you feel when you are doing this? How does it fit into the other priorities of your life? In other words, ask questions and self-examine the best you can. If you are aware of information, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you stop either. I know when I was younger, I ran a lot and I worked out a lot and I was kind of obsessive about working out. One time with my teacher, I was having a hard time and he said to me, are you still running, jogging? He said, yes, and he said, don't stop. And that was great because I was thinking, you know, maybe I'm doing this and I'm not dealing with something. And his thing was, no, you better keep doing this. <laughs> you got to major stuff to unwind and running is going to keep you sane which is good so I'm not saying that sublimation is horrible and stop it it can be it can ruin your life you can become a 
receptive and compulsive about what you're doing. And it can also be healing, so you understand that I have so much coming up right now. I need to run, I need to work out. And I need to just shunt it off in that direction for now until spirit or my therapist or whoever I'm working with the future healer helps me get to another, another space with this. So everything I'm talking about always goes back to the balance point. Not just this is good, this is bad, because nothing is just good or bad. It just can be terribly out of balance at some point. You know, Pia, just walking along the wall. And it's going to get taller, and then you can't get down because you're little. Whoops. There you go. <laughs> she thought it was cool. Shoulder girls. If you are working with someone and you notice tremendous mixed feelings being around them, you want their adoration, you freak out when they don't talk to you a certain way, you around them, you get negative around them, crying, and, uh, but you're not normal. You need to talk that out immediately. And if they won't talk it out with you, you need to take a break and find out what's going on. Because getting hooked on a person, to me, is very dangerous. Not only for you, but Hoshi, no, come here. She's so little, she goes into these yards. Hoshi! Come here. Come on. Come on out of there. Come on. Good girl. Stay. Stay. Girls. Good. So, stay. Hoshi. Hoshi, come here. Oh, good. Alright, come on. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Cross the street. Good girl. Pia. If you get hooked on someone and they won't talk it out or can't talk it out, definitely take a break. Because not only are you at risk, they're at risk. In other words, people change when they get adored or when someone gets dependent on them. Some people get mean when someone's dependent on them. Some people get possessive. Some people start going on crazy power trips. Some people kind of get explosive. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but you know, they get so anxious with the attention. So you're not the only one that will go crazy with this. You will also, your person will go crazy. And this also goes for love relationships. So when you are obsessed with someone and it feels obsessive at some point, if you're not talking it out with them, you need to be seeing a therapist, a dealer, or something, a group, so that it doesn't get reenacted. The old drama from your past. I mean, you can learn that way, but man, that's hard. That's really hard. 
when you're in balance, there's nothing wrong with someone showing you the best version of yourself and you getting a little hung up on that and being a little obsessed. As long as it's out in the open, you're both talking about it and all talking about it. And you're counting on that shifting. In other words, you're not saying, I have to stay with this person or I want to stay with this person. I hope this helps. Hope to see you at Life Path Healings. And most of all, I hope you send in questions and that I can say something intelligent about them.